I woke up at the crack of dawn, like I'm talking 5.45 this morning naturally, and then laid in bed and then was like, ugh, once my eyes are open, she is not able to go back to sleep. I don't know about you, but like when you get up in the middle of the night, if you, if you get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, I, I had a whole conversation Phil and I had a whole conversation about this at a party we went to once. <laughs> it's actually funny. So let's start a debate. When you get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, like to pee, do you do it with your eyes shut? I do. Like I, I half open my eyes to make sure I'm walking into the bathroom. And then I always, by the way, have to like quadruple check that I'm actually, once I start to pee, actually sitting on the toilet. Because my fear, God forbid, right? Like when you were a kid and you peed the bed at times as a child, it was always like you had a dream, you were going to the bathroom, and then you woke up in your own pee. And I was like, we are not ever having that <laughs> go into our adulthood. So when I sit down on the toilet I, I, and I start going, I'm immediately like eyes wide open, like to check my surroundings to make sure I'm actually sitting in the bathroom. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's me. But I'm awesome. <laughs> What a way to start a podcast episode, like on a holiday week, nonetheless. Normal people would be talking about gratitude. Amy is talking about peeing. It's fine. I love myself. Uh, but if I'm laying, <laughs> bathroom aside, if I'm laying in bed and my eyes open naturally, I cannot shut them and go back to sleep. It's just like the rule of Amy. So I laid there for a little while and then I was like, fuck this. I'm just going to get a head start on the day. I'm going to go down and I'm going to record my episode before the rest of the world is awake and hammering outside my window. So we're up. We're, um, I won't say energized. I'm still making my way through a cup of coffee, but I will say I recorded two intros to this episode already and deleted them. So we are on the right path. Okay, so this week's episode is going to cover a couple of different topics, and I'm going to get right into it. Uh, about a week, a week ago, maybe two weeks ago at this point, I, I would say, we're more on the two-week side, two weeks ago, I was watching an episode of The Kardashians. Now, I'm just going to pause for a second. You can take a deep breath and remove your judgment, okay? Thank you. I don't care if you are a fan or not, that doesn't have an impact on this story, okay? And I say that because if you haven't realized yet, I'm very in tune with the fact that there are certain things that I can say that can activate somebody to react a certain way. And so what I do on this podcast, in case you weren't aware, is I tend to basically shine a spotlight on what could be activating you or what could trigger you and I call it out and I call it out before you have a chance to shout at me on your side of the phone and I call it out because if I say it out loud before you know you start to like want to attack 
what is uncomfortable inside of you, then you have to, for a second, kind of like digest what is being said and process it. Or you might continue to attack. And if that's the case, you're rather dysregulated. But usually, usually, right? Like when somebody just calls themselves out, here's a great example of this. And I'm teaching you, by the way, in case you didn't realize, that's why I explain all these things to help you and you can use them in your own life. I am somebody who likes to call myself out on my own flaws. I do it all the time on this podcast, all the time, okay? And like, here's a great example. As I'm talking to you, I'm sitting at my desk and my giant podcast headphones tend to creak. Like even if I'm not moving my head, they tend to creak at times. And I then fear you can hear it. And so if I think you can hear it, I might say, hey, if you can hear that creaking in the background, that's just my wonky podcast headphones making that noise, right? And so what I did was I took what might be an invisible annoyance for you that could trigger you in some way, shape, or form, and I hit it with a spotlight, and I basically explain to you, hey, I'm aware it's there. Because a lot of times we get irritated by something and our immediate reaction is like, this person has no awareness that this is happening and they have no awareness that this is irritating me. And there is something rather soothing and regulating when someone can can say to you and acknowledge to you, hey, I know that this is probably going to make you uncomfortable right now, but I'm going to say it anyway. Right? And I actually do this in my real life conversations with people. I will start setting a boundary with an acknowledgement. And that's because I've had practice and I'm aware of the impact of certain things on certain people. Like I have an awareness of like my mom's triggers to a degree. Right. And so I will say to her, I actually said to her rather recently because I had to set a boundary. I said, I know you tend to feel left out. And then, you know, I continued on with my message. However, and then I proceeded with saying a boundary to her, right? And so what I did was I validated her for her, <laughs> which often when we're triggered, we can't do, right? So we get activated and then we're stuck in that reaction and that, that uncomfortable emotion. We don't know what to do with the emotion. And so we feel like we need to just like throw the hot potato at someone else, you know, go back and listen to the hot potato theory episode. You'll love it. And so we throw it at someone else because we have no clue how to hold it and how to transmute that, right? What do we do with it, in other words? How do I cope with it? How do I get clear? How do I process it? So it's just like, ooh, ouch, here. Ooh, ouch, here. But if I go, hey, hold that for a second. I know that hurts. Then you're like, yeah, yeah, it does hurt. And you're like, I know. And you're sensitive because blah, 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 blah. You're like, sensitive because of blah, 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 blah. And you feel seen and you feel validated. So anyway, tricks of the trade, you're welcome. Uh, so, so I call myself out on things. Where was I going with that? I guess the, the mentioning the, the Kardashian stuff. I, I know that people don't like them. I don't care. I do. You don't have to like them. Um, the fact that someone could turn a whole sex tape into like that type of career business-wise is impressive. Not gonna lie to you. It is. It is, it is, it is, it is. Like, have you ever thought about a musician 
right? Like Travis Barker is a drummer. Respect. Drumming is not easy. They, they actually talked to Phil about this because Phil was a drummer, okay? Uh, they actually probably burn the most calories when they're performing in a band than even if like the lead singer or the guitarist or, you know, the bass player or whoever are like jumping up and down on stage and dancing around. The drummer has to bang his way through that entire song. <laughs> when I'm around Phil's bands, the drummer comes off dripping wet. And even though the lead singer in one of his bands bounces, like fucking the Energizer Bunny, like I don't know where that energy comes from. It's so impressive. Bounces up and down, jumps around the entire concert, show, whatever you want to call it. Then I like it's still the drummer comes off dripping wet. So think about it. You learned how to bang on a set of instruments and that's what you get to do for a living and you get to make tons of money. Like, do we think about that? That's, that's fucking, that's impressive. That's impressive how you figured out how to do that and just get to live off of joyfully banging on an instrument. <laughs> Same with singing the sit. Like, if you think about it that way, it's kind of like, wow. Wow. Like, that's like a lot of people think I can only I can only make a living or make money if I go get 18 years of schooling in and and get it and get some initials after my name and then have the hardest, most stressful job in the world. And it's like, you, you, you know, there are people that have way more fun do do equally the same amount of hard work, but get to enjoy it and not be in debt. Anyway, it's a whole different topic, guys, for another day. I'm so sorry. Okay. I was watching an episode of The Kardashians, and I'm well aware that on reality TV, they could portray anyone the way they want. But it's rather consistent with Travis Barker and Kourtney Kardashian that they portray them as just being like cool, calm, and collected in every situation and very affectionate and just happy and in love. And that obviously is not the full scope of like their life and their day. Like I'm not, you know, in their house with them. I'm sure there may be miscommunications at times as there is with all couples conflict and such but the bulk of the time you see them they they are portrayed the way I just explained and so regardless of what their reality is I'm watching this and I'm listening to them talk about things like they're asked questions in those little confessional interviews during the show and and you know Courtney's asked like do you care what other people are thinking when you and Travis are like making out in public places. And she's like, no, she's like, we just, we live in the moment and we want to express ourselves in the moment. And I wish everyone would give themselves that freedom to not worry about what other people are thinking about them, which clearly that in and of itself is a beautiful message, right? So that was a piece of it. And then, you know, she was asked again at some point, like, who's who's the more calm one out of the two of you? And she was like, oh, hands down. She's like, my life has gotten so much more peaceful with Travis in it. She's like, he's just so 
calm all the time and so present and he's just easy to be around. He goes with the flow and yeah, he has his struggles and he has his fears, but we just choose to kind of prioritize our peace. And that's clearly not verbatim what was said, but that's the gist of it. And I was inspired by this because I don't know if you know this, I have high anxiety and I'm not talking like, you know, I get anxiety attacks once in a while, like I've got trauma. And so what happens is I am often, especially within a romantic relationship, one thing could activate me and I will spend the bulk of my day having to deal with that feeling in my body or those thoughts in my head. And I will have to still work, but still utilize all the tools that I constantly give you guys. And, you know, with trauma, it's it's half and half. You got to understand your nervous system. You got to understand how to to speak to that nervous system, right? Through somatic tools and and calm that nervous system and balance it out and regulate it. But it's also mindset stuff. You have to be able to reframe some of these beliefs that you carry over into your present relationships and environments from past ones that were not that great. And sometimes we're just doing it mindlessly. Like we're, we're not realizing in certain ways that we're still carrying a belief system that doesn't actually work with the person in front of us. And that happens to me, right? And so I just, I watched this episode and I, there's something in that. And I was like, all I want is to allow myself to just be happy and not have days on end where I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop and I'm worrying. And more times than not, nobody's going to know about that. No one's going to notice, but I know what's going on in my head mentally, emotionally. I have ways to move through it. I cope with it. I have therapy and all of those things. But still, I'm allowing myself to be taken to that place repeatedly, and it is exhausting. And so I decided to gift myself. And I know this sounds simplistic, but clearly it took it took repeated experiences of feeling anxious and worrying and dwelling and panicking and just living in this space that I have lived in for more than half my life to get to this place of exhaustion where I was able to realize I am doing and continue to do every single thing I can and they're all the quote unquote right things to do for these struggles. But I want to choose to just live differently and see the world differently now. And so I made a decision that I just wanted to be at peace. I didn't want to be, I wanted to, this could sound so corny, but this is, this is so transparent and, and, and honest. I wanted to kind of like emulate the energy that I was seeing on the screen from Travis, particularly Travis, but also Courtney, right? Like just, I, I want to be in this space, like I'm in a great relationship. I want to be in this space where I allow myself to feel 
that I'm in that great relationship. Because often I'm just on the edge of my seat. Like I can see it and feel it and recognize this is all wonderful. This is great. I'm cared about so deeply, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just walking around super tense holding my breath because I'm scared. I'm scared. And so I was like, I can't. I can't do it anymore. Like I just physically, mentally cannot do that anymore. So I opted out of it. I unsubscribed (laughs) and made this decision mentally. And keep in mind, like, if someone were to tell you make this, someone were to say to me, just why didn't you make this decision a year ago or two years ago or whatever, I had to move through layers to get here, right? So when I share stories like this, this is where I'm at in my own process You may be there in some areas of your life. You may not be. But I think when you recognize confidently I'm using tools, processing emotion, doing all of these things, I know I have trauma. I know I carry it with me. I know I have these triggers. That makes it hard enough. Why do I have to live in a headspace? You know, the headspace of I want to be at peace every day is not going to eliminate the trauma out of my body. But it is going to make a lot of this a whole lot easier for me if I just give myself permission to not be scared all the time. And so I did. That's what I did. And I wanted to, like I said, I wanted to kind of emulate and exude that energy that I was getting off the screen from watching those two. And I had shared it. I shared it with Phil at the time. And he was like, I love that. That's great. And I just said to him yesterday, mind you, this was like a week and a half, two weeks ago, right? And I just said to him yesterday, I go, hey, ever since I said that I'm going to just live in a peaceful state, I go, what have you noticed? And he goes, I don't know, Aim. it's been two weeks. And that just reminded me of a post that I put up recently. It was like, or a reel I put up recently where I was talking about how We want so badly for the people closest to us to see these moments of growth. The truth is, is I don't need his validation. I feel the difference significantly in myself. And and I'm validating that for me because I just feel more at ease. I feel more at peace. I feel happier living this way. And so I see the changes. And you're always going to see them and feel them in yourself first before other people start to catch on. And we have to keep in mind, (laughs) when we're going through something or we're struggling with something, we tend to assume everybody can notice it, everybody can see it. And the truth is, everybody's stuck in their own stuff. And so it's rather unfair to sometimes expect other people to notice these slight changes first in us. Because the truth is, is sometimes that takes time. You know, they need, they need more, um, more experiences with you repeatedly. And it's like, it's like doing research, right? And, and when you're collecting data and you're going to do some type of poll, you need more people. And, and so in this context, you need more experiences and time to pass for them to suddenly look back at the bigger picture and go, wow, yeah, you're different. I remember when we came home from Mexico and or, or re- we're getting ready to come home from Mexico. He was like, you're a whole different person. 
And I wasn't needing that at that moment because I felt it myself and I wasn't expecting that at that moment again because I felt it myself and I wasn't looking for it outside of me because I was proud of myself. That's your takeaway. I feel like that should just be like our every throughout the episode every time <laughs> every time I give you a little nugget it's like that's your takeaway. <laughs> anyway. So so there's that. I've got this new peaceful mindset that I just opted into a couple weeks ago and I feel like every day is, <laughs> this is going to sound corny, but I'm going to go there. Um, every day is like the feeling that I had leading up to going to Disney World. Like I was super giddy getting ready to go to Disney and then super, super like walking around with a fucking smile plastered to my face at Disney World and I was like God, I need this in my life every day but clearly can't go to Disney every day so now I won't say I'm walking around with a smile plastered to my face like but I will say that I feel relief and I feel at peace and it's just because I chose it for myself in other news I woke up so early to try to avoid the sound of hammering on this podcast. And unfortunately, at 8.40 in the morning now, they have started their hammering. So if you happen to hear that background noise, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not going to make an excuse for it, but I'm also not going to wait until tonight to finish recording this when it may or may not stop. So because I have no timeline for this construction outside, we're just going to keep rocking and rolling right through and jump into the next topic that I want to touch on in today's podcast, which is struggling with upholding boundaries and making excuses. I feel like I've talked about this countless times in many different ways, but it's at the forefront of my mind lately because I've been speaking to a lot of clients who are struggling with this. And I actually had a a situation in my own life not that long ago where I kind of struggled for a second on doing this. So why don't we just talk about it? Because everything gets better when we say it out loud, at least in my world. And let's, um, Let's start with the fact that we tend to make excuses based on the person that we're dealing with and our relationship to them, right? And so that could mean anything from like they're a family member and they hold a certain title or label. See, you hear the banging? I'm so sorry. (laughs) They hold a certain title or label um, like mom or dad or whomever. But it also happens like in work environments too. Like this is my boss or this is so-and-so and and they're in charge and I can't do X, Y, and Z. Like we have these rules in our head. And the reality is, is that when it comes to your personal boundaries, they don't change based on the environment you're in. Now they might be a little different, right? Like the way I communicate with a child is going to be different than the way I communicate with someone my own age, but the boundary remains. It also might be that like, I don't say something to, let's say my nephew, right? Like I'm not going to have a full-blown conversation with a child who can barely talk 
you know, or, or fully comprehend what I'm saying. Like, so you got to consider context. I, I, I think a lot of people don't recognize the, the nuance to the discussion around boundaries because it's just like certain things will shift based on information that we're given, right? Certain things will shift based on the behaviors that you have exhibited with this person for X amount of days, weeks, months, years, or a lifetime. In other words, like if someone comes to me on Instagram who I haven't spoken to privately and they ask just a question of like, my mother-in-law keeps doing this, what do I do? have an answer for you? Well, you think that these answers are just black and white? They're not. Like, I have a million questions that I need to ask you before we get to the solution for the question you're actually asking. Like, I need to ask about you, your behavioral history. What have you said? How did you say it? What have you done? What's the relationship dynamics, right? Like, I can't just take information like that and hand you like a boxed up answer that I can then mass produce and hand to everyone. That's not the case. The mass produced answer is communicate your boundary once you're clear on it and uphold your boundary. That's the mass produced answer. But how? What does that sound like? What do I do when my mom or my sister continues to overstep this boundary? Like, Amy, what are the rules of the game when it comes to these family members? Like, is my only option at that point because they've breached it X amount of times to like get rid of them? No, not necessarily. That comes back to a question in your direction, which is what do you want? What do you want? What kind of relationship do you want with them? What kind of relationship do you have with them? Let's dig into that real quick, right? So there's layers there. So in terms of struggling with upholding and making excuses, I'm going to speak on this in a few different ways based on the conversations that I've had privately, obviously not ever disclosing confidential information, but a generalized kind of example from my own life and from other examples that I have and try to help you understand a little bit about where you need to look and what you need to do and where people kind of like trip over their own feet and fall on their face. So let's start with me as always, because we love to do that. I've had struggles, right? I, I continue to set boundaries with my family and I have some difficult people that don't have boundaries in their own life and therefore they do not, they just don't. They don't always respect the boundaries that I set. Now, here's the first conversation, okay? Why? Because a lot of people get offended by this and I get it. We have real emotion and we've got attachment stuff, especially when it comes to family, right? And so, you know, what comes up when like a family member doesn't respect my boundary is like, why don't, why don't you respect me? How do I get you to respect me? Why are you treating me this way? Don't you care about me? Like a million things can come up in those moments, but you know, it's really not about that. It's really about this person may or may not be on autopilot, right? Like the, the percentage of people that are deliberately and maliciously breaching a boundary, gaslighting you, things like that, 
is actually very small compared to the amount of people that are just stuck on autopilot and in their own triggers and emotions and they're functioning mindlessly through this world. Like, and we need to put that out there because if you've been through trauma or abuse, you tend to believe all people in the world are bad and evil and out to get you. Or you're just nervous and paranoid and you feel like you can't trust anyone or there's like variations of that, right? But the truth is, is that the majority of people are good people. They're just in pain and they're just struggling. Again, that is not an excuse. We need to differentiate between these things. Understanding, understanding, having the knowledge, having the emotional intelligence to connect with and and pinpoint why someone struggles doesn't excuse the behavior. It actually just makes it sometimes hurt less. And it gives you a little insight into, okay, like, how can I respond in a way that may land a little bit better with this knowledge, right? It helps me to have that feedback. If I have more information about where this person is coming from and what is driving their behavior, that can help me shape my responses or my communication in their direction in a way that they can maybe hear me better. Same goes for our intimate relationships. If I know my partner's love language and they know mine, they know how to meet my needs better. They know how to speak to me in a way where I'm going to receive it better. That's a good thing. So having information is a good thing. But again, excusing the behavior because you have the information should not be happening. Should not ever be happening. So here's what excusing the behavior often sounds like. It, 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 it'll sound like you saying to yourself, was I not clear enough? <laughs> uh, they don't always really understand this kind of stuff. They don't have boundaries themselves. So you know what? I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt again and, and just repeat the boundary. And then, so you say it a second time and you know, I have a rule of thumb here. It's like up to three times you can repeat something, but if you're going to continue to just communicate the boundary after you've said it like once, twice, three times tops, that's max. I wouldn't even say go that far with some people, but if you're going to exceed that and keep repeating, you are now disrespecting yourself and not upholding the boundary. But let's say they breach it one time and you say to yourself, okay, maybe I wasn't clear. Maybe let, let me just restate it. And often, I'll be completely honest, that's my go-to. Like for, for people that are closest to me, for people that are closest to me that I have very um, deep, intimate connections with, okay, I will reiterate the boundary in what is like a clearer, firmer way, okay? Maybe I was a little vague or general the first time. Now I'm going to be super direct the second time. And I'm doing it for myself because, and this is what's important, I've been gaslit my whole life. (laughs) So for me, I need to be clear for Amy. So Amy walks away from the conversation with confidence, knowing there's no way you could, and we always get this one wrong, but we're going to try it, mince words here, right? There's no way you can confuse what I'm saying. There's, There's no gray area in what I'm saying. It's super clear and direct, no room for confusion. 
I need to sometimes repeat the boundary that second time for that, for me, to mitigate all of the doubts and fears and panic about me questioning myself because I've been questioned my whole life and had things manipulated and flipped on me. Okay, so that's what drives that behavior for me. You might not have had that experience in your life. If you've never been gaslit, bless your heart. If you've never been manipulated, congratulations. But I have countless times. And so I do that to to basically cope and help myself in that process. If I know when I look at my words, whether in writing or I hear myself say them, if I know I personally wouldn't be confused and I could probably say this to a, a kid and it would be super clear to them, then I'm confident that if they are confused a third time, that is now very clear in my mind that it's on them, right? But like the lines get hazy for me because again of my experiences in life and sometimes I'm like, well, is that a legitimate question like sh- that I should probably answer? And should I have compassion here? Like all, all of those things can come up for me. So again, that's what drives that behavior. But that's one question that we will often ask ourselves when something is breached. Like, was I clear? I did say what I said, right? Because their behavior is now confusing you. You're like, I don't where was the confusion? And sometimes we have that that line of questioning in our mind because we would never do that. And that's big with some of my clients. They're like, I would never treat someone this way. So why do they think this is acceptable? Like this is absolutely unacceptable in my world, in my mind. I would never, ever, ever, ever. And I go, totally, I get it. But you probably have some areas of life where you're breaching boundaries and you don't realize it. Because that's why we can't make this so black and white. We can't be so reactive in these situations because everybody breaches a boundary from, from you know, at times in their life. I have. I have many times without realizing I'm doing it because I'm on autopilot. And when it's brought to my attention and someone gently upholds their boundary with me, like I, I don't need you these days to be harsh with me or threaten me as a child probably did because I wasn't raised around boundaries and I had no knowledge of boundaries but now it's like I just need you to be clear and direct with me that's all I need so that's what I give to other people and I think that's what we have to return to that's kind of your guiding light here Return to how would I want to be spoken to in this situation? I don't think people pause and consider this. How would I want this situation to be handled if I were in their shoes? Give them that, right? Because I'll tell you what, so many people are hypocritical and they'll snap at someone else and then they'll come to me and be like, I can't believe this person yelled at me or I can't believe this person said this or they quipped off this to me. And I'm like, interesting that you don't like being on the receiving end of that, but you find it suitable to treat people the way you hate being treated. I have an individual like that in my life. And it's frustrating, the hypocrisy that I witness of like the 
exact thing they don't like coming at them is the, actually I have two individuals in my life who do this, is the exact thing they dish out to everyone else. And it's, when it's not coming at me, it's kind of amusing if we're keeping it real because you're like, wow, there's just no awareness, none. I wish I knew that life, but I don't. I actually know the opposite. I'm way too aware sometimes and it can be rather overwhelming. How do you not realize that you're being a hypocrite right now? I'll tell you why. Because you're not self-reflecting. That's why. Somehow there are people in this world that just go out there and they function and they speak and they, they navigate this life without ever checking in with themselves, without ever tuning in and, and kind of self-examining and being like, Am I proud of myself for how I had that conversation and how I handled that situation? A lot of people, their driving force is victim mentality. So it's so-and-so came at me sideways earlier, and so fuck them. And God, my day was so stressful, and everyone's so annoying, and it's just complain, complain, complain. No power, no control no accountability nothing over your life just god everybody is just so exhausting and it's just this life is 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 so and people are so annoying and you're like hmm, hmm 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 who's in control of your perception not them you and we have a choice i could look at everybody as let's say being abusive. I could look at everybody as being irritating. I could look at everybody a certain way if I want to, or I could look at every way as fundament everyone is fundamentally good. I could look at everyone as maybe not deliberately and maliciously trying to hurt me. And I could just look at myself as being consistent in respecting myself. But that's the problem. People who walk around doing that and complaining and playing victim, they they want to be respected, but they don't want to put in the work to respect themselves. They, they're demanding from others what they won't give to themselves. Whew. What a life that must be. So we make the, we, we have these questions in our mind when we communicate things to people and we come up with a million excuses, right? Like sometimes if we're dealing with like a parent or a sibling who maybe we know has never really like done any level of like therapy or self-help, I find this to be a common theme. What I hear from people is like, well, she just like, she doesn't know. She doesn't understand this. She doesn't do this or he doesn't, you know, whatever. And it's like, who cares? Who cares? That's not an excuse for them to continue. I made that excuse with someone in my family for decades. They don't know. They have no, they're hurting. Their childhood was like this, blah, 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 blah. And you know what it did? It hurt me. All I did was hurt me in making those excuses while they hurt me because they were hurting. See how that works? It wasn't working out for me very well. I was just making excuses because they were making excuses. And the minute I said, I understand you had a difficult childhood, then they started using that every time they breached a boundary. Well, you know, I don't know these things. I had a difficult childhood. And then I would think to myself, how unfair is this moment? 
because I am your child. And I could say the same thing. I had a difficult childhood because my parents didn't know. And I could use that and we could just let that pattern, that generational pattern continue. But I chose not to. And so then what I did was I had to get to the place where I stopped doing that. And I started respecting the fact that I actually did take action to improve myself. So if I'm not making excuses for me, I ain't making excuses for you. Everybody hates in my life, by the way, when I say ain't. Too bad. I'm not making excuses for you if I'm not going to make excuses for myself. I can extend people grace when they show me that they're willing to do some work to change or grow and improve. So to to get back to my example about myself, I had I had something happen recently with a family member and I I had communicated boundaries multiple times, very clear. And and the last time I communicated this boundary, it was in a text message and I screenshot it because this individual is rather difficult and I tend to make a lot of excuses for them at times and I'm the most hurt by them all the time. And so for myself, I got to my wits end at that point and I was like, I'm going to make this super clear. I'm going to screenshot it because when they pop up tomorrow and pretend like none of this happened, I'm going to remember what I said, right? And so if they do it again, I can refer back to what I said and just remind myself it was clear, it was direct, there was no room for confusion. And so I did this a couple months ago. I screenshot this boundary and I and and everything was fine. Everything was going fine, but I know it's never going to fully change and I know I'm always going to have to run into a situation where I uphold this boundary. And that's that goes the same for a lot of you in your situations, right? You're dealing with someone, you want them in your life, you've chosen that. There's no option in your mind of like eliminating this person. I get it, okay? I have people like that in my life as well and I'm choosing to keep them around me to some degree, maybe at a distance. And I know that regardless of what I say to them, we're going to bump into a situation at some point in time that they're going to overstep that same boundary that I have already set. And so my biggest battle is figuring out, well, how do I uphold it now? Because I'm starting to get to the point in this particular situation where at least in my limited mind, I'm running out of ideas. You know what I mean? Like I'm hitting a brick wall in terms of what do I do now? I can't, I can't, I I stop answering. They pop up the next day and pretend like it didn't happen. And then if I engage, it's like, I feel like, I, I, I feel assaulted in a way where it's like, I'm not actually respecting myself by just pretending like it didn't happen yesterday. Like I feel like when a brown boundary is breached and someone doesn't recognize it, it's, I'm going to say something. I'm going to talk about that elephant in the room, right? As always. So I, I felt like I was running out of ideas. So recently, okay, recently, this person popped up. Um, and what often happens is this, and I'll lay the land in, in the most general and respectful way I can that, that will make me feel comfortable in telling this story. I will post things on social media, pictures from my life. And what happens is this individual will see them and this individual doesn't interact with me 
Like they don't call me up and just ask how I am. I don't get really text messages engaging with me authentically. I'll get I'll get text messages that feel loaded with like neediness, like, you know, um, like they need something from me, whether it's validation or some type of affection in their direction, or it's nosy questions, like prying for information, but manipulate manipulative. Like like their their question is usually masked by some statement or compliment <laughs> about me. It's see it's it's tricky. It's tricky. Okay. And so some of you right now, by the way, listening to this might be like, Ooh, I'm cringing, Amy. Why do you deal with a person like this? Well, because I'm choosing to keep this person, this family member in my life. I want them there. I love them. I want them there. I value them. Um, it's just difficult. They're difficult. Okay. And, and again, there's no right or wrong to this. So let's not judge people's process. And let's not say, well, eventually you'll cut them out because that's not true. If I was going to cut them out, I would have cut them out decades ago. I'm not, it's not happening. And honestly, I learned so much about myself in this process. It, it helps me become better and stronger and clearer and firmer in other areas of my life. And that's what I look at it as. And I've created space and distance. And I really don't need to explain myself to you, but I am because these are things that go through my head when I know you're listening to me. <laughs> So back to my story, um, they usually mask their nosy question. They're prying for information with a compliment in my direction. Mind you, let's just plant the seed of like what they're nosy about has nothing to do with me. It has to do with like another sibling. So it's not that they, they don't message that sibling to ask these questions. They come to me because they feel safe with me, which is a compliment. I'm honored. They feel comfortable with me, but they also have been able to get away with doing this with me for a period of time up until recent years where I've tried to put a stop to it after realizing I didn't like it and used to not be bothered by it. And let's keep that real. Like that's the reality, right? A lot of you people have, a lot of you people, I'm sorry, that sounds so disrespectful. A lot of you have people in your life or family members in your life where you functioned a certain way with them for X amount of years and you were fine with it. Like that's where you were at and that's what worked for you. This is what growth is all about. At some point in time, something shifted for you or them and you started to realize what, what, I don't like this. I don't like, you know, and it happens. We've talked about this with friendships. It happens with romantic relationships. It happens in all areas of our life. And so for a period of time, the driving force behind me tolerating this type of interaction was that it made me feel needed. And at that time, that's how I felt like I, I added value to my family dynamic and, and how I felt important. And it made me feel in control of things, which are, you know, that's where I was at at the time. Now I look at that and I'm like, mm, that wasn't really healthy, but that's where I was at. So I, I partook in this. And so I taught this person it was okay. And now I've got to break a pattern because I've decided to change. That's so important. That's so important to take away. I decided that I wanted to change. This person interacted with me this way for a long time. And I took no issue with it. So that sent this person a message. This is okay. Is it is it their fault I decided to grow? No, 
Is it a good thing I decided to grow? Yes. Now, if they, if I'm going to get mad at them for acting the same way they always have with me, that's really incredibly hypocritical and unfair. The reality is, is I taught you that this was okay to do. And now I've changed my mind. And so it's going to take a second because just because I've gotten here, it's like the whole like, hey, did my partner notice my growth yet? They don't have to. It's going to take some time, right? It's going to take some time and repetition to teach this person this is not okay, right? And they are learning slowly but surely. It's just I, because I'm the person doing it, who changed her mind, who grew, who's 10 steps ahead of the person I'm trying to teach to change to, I am like annoyed, clearly. But the truth is, when you look at it from this standpoint, it's not their fault. Now, can somebody who's healthier and more respectful of themselves and other people shift quicker? Thousand percent, yes. Thousand percent, it might take one to two times of like repetition and they'll start to catch on rather quickly. It's the difficult people who maybe don't have boundaries themselves, who maybe give you pushback and are resistant, who, yeah, maybe gained something from interacting that way with you and they're not ready to let it go, but you are. And so can we fault them? No. Again, that's not an excuse for them continuing to overstep. I said the boundary and they're just struggling and I have compassion for it, but I don't have tolerance for it. And that lands me in this situation of like, what are the creative solutions? And the creative solutions ended up being like, I had reiterated that boundary so many times to, to the point where I then screenshot it, right? And then, then we went good, we went good. And then I got a phone call. I don't know, it was like a week ago at this point, something like that. Got a phone call one night. Now I know with this person, if I get a phone call after like 2 p.m., don't, it's not, not going to be a good conversation. It's just the rule of thumb, okay? No details provided. That's just the rule of thumb, okay? So I get a phone call around 6.30. I just finished my day with clients. Like I just got done at like 6. And so I was in good spirits and I was also on the phone all day. So the phone rang and I immediately just took the call because habit, I was mindless in that moment. Let's be real. Took the call without thinking. And also there's a consideration of like, what if there's a problem that was what was currently in my mind at the time. Like, I don't usually get a call at this hour from this person. What if something is wrong? So I took it. And this person asked me a a question about myself, which didn't make any sense, given that the person doesn't live with me. They asked me if I got my mail today, which was weird. And I was like, huh? And then they asked me their prying nosy question, which had nothing to do with me. It had to do with my um, sibling. And I, in that moment, because I was just on autopilot and not acting with intention and thought I had taken that call, right? Mindlessly picked it up without really considering all of the things that might happen. And then got this weird communication coming at me. And so I just kind of made noises. Like I just like reacted, huh? What? No. Yes. And then I was like, why? Or whatever, something like that, that would 
prompt them to have to explain themselves. And they just shouted, never mind, and hung up on me. And I felt like I got emotional whiplash. I felt like there was this emotional tornado that just came through my home and left me knocked out with whiplash, wondering what the fuck just happened. And so I tried to move through those emotions and I realized very quickly, well, Amy, you know better. Like, don't take these calls after a certain hour. Like, these are boundaries that you've set mentally for yourself and you breach them. It's fine. Let's move through the emotion. Let it go. Fine. I did that. I woke up the next day. I got a text message as if it never happened. I got a compliment coming in my direction about something I had posted. And then a question, a nosy prying question, the same nosy prying question that I had gotten from that phone call came through in a text message. And mind you, the nosy prying question was prompted by a photo I had posted to my social media. And so at the minute I saw a compliment, I was like, oh, that was nice, immediately followed by this question, and it ruins the compliment. Like, none of this is for me at all. And it hurt my feelings, which it always does. This is why I have a boundary here. It hurt my feelings. I got extremely pissed off. And you might wonder, what is Amy like when she's pissed off? The same. I'm the same. I hold and feel it, and I sit in it. It's uncomfortable. And normally with anger and like rage like that, I have to talk out loud. I have to get some sort of validation. And if I can't get it from like talking to B or talking to Phil, like I will just walk around and kind of pace in my office or my house uh, or I'll write it out in a journal or I'll say it out loud. I'll just like kind of vent out my emotions to myself. And the goal and the intent of it is clarity, right? Like, let me get to the clear, like, boundary that I need to set or the boundary that I, did, I didn't respect, right, that I breached. And I got stuck. Like, I, I did all of that. And it, in terms of how do I respond to this or do I respond to this or I, I don't like not responding, I was like, what the fuck do I do? And I got stuck. And so I asked B, and B gave me, like, a little scripted response which sometimes can be helpful to just like pull from but I don't I it's not authentic to me so I read it and it was like that sounds nice and I could do that but I'd be pacifying the situation it wouldn't feel authentic to me which is why I usually don't script things for people ever um and then I thought about it more and I was like, what do I need to do to feel proud of myself in this situation? What is going to make me feel better in this situation? And it was like to just be honest about how this feels, put like call out the elephant in the room. Like that is true to my character and I have to stay true to my character to put closure on this issue and and move through, like to really get rid of this this emotion, this anger, this rage that I have. I need to stay true to me. And so that's what I did. I pulled a piece of what she had suggested and crafted it in my own way and then proceeded with the rest being my own, my own words, which was basically me saying like, please reflect on how your behavior impacts me. I didn't say anything mean. I didn't make any threats. I just said what I needed to say in terms of how this feels and how this impacts me. I called the person on their BS. I forced them to kind of examine themselves. And then 
um, I did what I said earlier, which was I acknowledged their struggles. I said, I understand you feel left out. However, you can cultivate your own relationships. I don't do this to you. And this usually works with this person. I don't do this to you when you are spending time with them. And that's because I want you to have fun and I want you to enjoy your time with them. And please reflect on how this feels for me when you do this to me. And they agreed. They went, you're right. You're correct. And I said, thank you. And they said, thank you. And that was it. And it was the end. Does that mean this person is going to do it again? They might. They might not. Who knows? I'm not attached to that. This is your takeaway. This is your takeaway. Is that what I said earlier? I don't remember. Anyway, this is your takeaway. I don't care what they do next. I care about navigating through in a way that feels the most true to me. I feel... I feel good about what I said and my goal the next time and the next time and the next time, be it with this person or anyone else, is to stay true to my character. Now, all the excuses that come up, well, this is this family member, I can't do this to them, they don't know how to cope, they get anxious, they feel left out, they get jealous, all excuses. You know, they have this title label in my life, all excuses. So this is where I want you to always return back to yourself. What is going to be most true for me? And when your mind immediately goes to, but this is my, fill it in with some title or label that you have for this person, my spouse, my child, my parent, my boss, my, what is going to be true for me? You are never going to feel good, complete, confident, or any sense of emotional closure on an issue in a difficult situation if you don't live true and authentic to who you are. If you don't say everything you need to say the way you need to say it in a way that allows you to walk away from the situation feeling proud of yourself and the guidance on what that looks and sounds like will always be, what would I want coming at me? So we're going to close up shop there. I think I gave you a doozy for Thanksgiving week. Those of you who celebrate Thanksgiving, those of you who don't, just have a great week. We'll return next week with probably some other loaded topics. (laughs) Until then, I think this is really great. And I think you can totally utilize this coming into the holidays. Um, I'll be decorating this week. So I'm giddy and excited. And I get to spend time with my family, Phil's family, the nieces, the nephews. I'm very excited. This is the first year that I am giddy about a holiday. I've been looking forward to holidays periodically over the years. I used to hate them. This year, she's giddy. And we love that. We love that for her. All right. Take care. I'll talk soon. Talk to you soon. I'll talk to you soon, guys. I'll talk to you soon.